Welcome to the Bermagui Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here you'll find the recording of messages from our weekly gatherings. We pray you'll be challenged and encouraged by today's message. Do you remember you know, the first invitation that you received? Might have been to a, to a friend's birthday party or something like that. And, and maybe if you can't think back that far, maybe, maybe a memorable invitation. One of, those, one of those invitations you got and you just went, oh, wow, how special is that? Has anyone got a, got a story or a, or a thought on that one? That's all right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, invited to be part of the wedding party, yep. That was always a special one. That's awesome, yeah, yep. Yeah, I know there's a lot of negatives around social media and things like that, but the fact is there's some positives that happen like that that are just amazing, yeah, it connects people. Um, where it's hard to find those connections sometimes. I know what it is about an invitation. There is something special about it, isn't it? Especially when it's a, almost an unexpected or just a, you know, something you just go, wow, yeah, I actually feel really honoured to be invited to whatever the event may be. You know, whether it is a birthday party or a wedding or a christening or a you know, baby shower or an anniversary, you know, any, num- any number of events or special occasions. But when we receive that and, you know, like it's, you know, there's still a formality there which, which people like to honour, like, particularly around weddings and things like that, where they send the invitation. You know, open up and in the mail, here's this, this beautiful decorated piece of card saying, you're invited. You're invited to come celebrate with us. You're invited to be a part of this special moment. And the fact is, you know, I, I don't think it really matters what the event is, you know, apart from maybe jury duty or a subpoena. Um, we... we <laughs> We, we, get pre- we get pretty excited about invitations, don't we? <laughs> so, it's a, yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, Mr. Fox is just explaining what a subpoena is to Phoenix. <laughs> Bit of a fancy word, but... But there's something about that special feeling. Like, for me, the memory when I was sort of starting to put some thoughts down... I actually do have a fairly vivid memory. I don't remember the, the exact picture of the invitation itself, but it did definitely have the big Ronald McDonald on it. I got invited to my first McDonald's party. <laughs> and you know, I, I grew up in Coffs Harbour. And for anyone that you know, remembers travelling through there, um, the McDonald's up there actually had the claim at that time of being one of the largest McDonald's in the Southern Hemisphere, purely because it had just a, a, a massive car park. Around it, so the building itself may, may not have been the biggest, but the actual footprint of the, the land was considered the biggest in the southern hemisphere for, for a time. And the, the special thing about the Maccas party in Coffs Harbour was that they actually had this train carriage that they had mounted as part of the, the, the area, and that's where the parties were. That's where they had the party rooms. Whereas in these train carriages with the booths and the whole thing, and it was one of those things growing up in the in, in Coffs Harbour in the schools. Yeah, you, know, you, you always you know. Hoping, hoping that you'd get invited to someone's Mac- McDonald's party because you'd get to go into the train because it was the only time you could go in there. And I, I do, I still remember this, this first time I got invited and it was, it was one of those things that my, my parents weren't, weren't overly financial so it wasn't something that we could do for, that, 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 that they could do for us. So I had to wait to be invited to one. And it was, it was something super special because we got there and they, they, they did games with us. And then we sat down in the train and we got to make an order without having to pay for it, you know? And even as a young kid, that was huge. It was like, yes! <laughs> and so I got, got my, my Big back meal or whatever it was. Happy. Yep. Happy meal. 
We've got the party hats, got little toys, the, 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 the works. It, it really was a real event. And the highlight of it, I don't know if they still do this at All Makers or if anyone remembers these, was the ice cream cake. Yeah. Always had an ice cream cake. And, you know, again, it was just one of those things you didn't necessarily could even buy, I think. It was one of those sort of special things that, that, that uh, services could access, but it wasn't necessarily something you could buy for yourself. And here we go, rock up this Macca's party and have ice cream cake and celebrate whoever's birthday it was. I don't remember whose birthday, but I remember, remember going. I remember, the, I remember the party. I remember the party. I don't remember who it was, one of my mates, but it was a good party. But I think those sorts of invitations are the, are the good ones, aren't they? You know, I've... But, but the ones that, that are free, those ones that are just a, a celebration. You know? As a young boy, just go, wow, you know, they're, they're buying me a meal. There was something special about that, even though it was just a Macca's meal. It was something special. And the fact is, you know, when it costs us, it doesn't, doesn't come with the same sort of feeling, does it? You know, I've got an email account full of invitations to come and spend money at places. You know, <laughs> I'm sure we see those every day. You know, come and spend your money here. Come and you know, give you a special deal. We'll do this, discounts. You know? But they don't have that same feel, do they? To being invited to something that you know, we didn't earn. We don't have to pay our way into. We're just freely given, hey, come and celebrate with us. Come and join with us. And the fact is, you know, Scripture's full of invitations. You know, the, the, the whole thread of Scripture, you know, they, they, they talk about the, the, the red thread that, that, that weaves through Scripture is this redemption story of God inviting us, an invitation to come into relationship with Him. You know, just a couple of verses. These, are, these aren't the ones we're going to dwell on today. There's, there's one in Matthew we're going to sit on. But, you know, Isaiah 1.18 says, Come, come now and let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I'll make them white as wool. Yeah. Revelations in chapter 22, verse 17 says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, let anyone who hears this say, Come, let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Yeah. The message of the evangelists you know, in Acts chapter 2. Peter, at the end of his message, you know, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children and those far away, all who have called, have, have been called by the Lord our God. Now another one from Revelations, similar to, to what we read in Matthew 7 there that we started the service with. Revelations 3 verse 20, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, open the door and I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. And one of my favorite, you know, I guess, invitations that Jesus gave us, Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, where Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take your, my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give is light. Now, this invitation to come. Come. And I'll tell you what, it's actually one of the defining characteristics of Christianity, of the Christian faith. That we believe in a God that is actually pursuing us. 
when you actually study the other religions, it's the other way around. It's all about humanity pursuing God, pursuing the deity, pursuing Nirvana, whatever it may be. And the fact is, the majority of those other religions speak about this God that actually doesn't chase after, that doesn't invite. It's usually a, a distant God or a remote God or impartial, even hostile. And they've got to try and earn their way in or they've got to try and do the right things to, 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 to try and capture their, their eye. The God we serve is completely opposite to that. The God we serve from the dawn of creation, even before we broke relationship with him, set plans in place to redeem us. Like that's, I don't know about you, but that still just blows my mind. Growing up in the church, been ministering for a while now, and it just it blows me away that before before we even made the mistakes, before we, 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 we cut off that relationship to God through sinfulness and brokenness, he had a plan in place. Okay? Just speaks so strongly of this character of God that just desires us. He doesn't need us. He is completely sufficient without. But he desires. He desires so much that he was willing to send his one and only son to die on the cross for us. it's personal to him it wasn't just out of the wealth of his infinite resources no he made it personal he said no I'm giving you my only son so that you can be in relationship with me that's the God we serve he desires for us to be in relationship with him and that has shaped our history and will continue to shape our future he's the one who laid his only son down so that we have the opportunity to take up ours So from Noah to Abraham to Moses to David and the prophets and finally to the Jesus, God has invited us, making a way for us to draw near to him so that he can draw near to us. That was in James chapter 4. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James 4 verse 8. So what I want to do today is just focus on, I guess, one of the stories of an invitation. And it's a theme that, that Jesus actually used quite a bit about you know, the character in the story in the parable inviting people. So sort of saying, hey, come, be a part of what I'm doing. And so the one we're going to, and this is one I do want to encourage you to open your Bibles to if you want, is in Matthew 22. So what I want to do, I just want to read it through just so we sort of hear it and we can just have it in our minds. But then I want to pull it apart a little bit. Uh, reading from verse 1 through to 14. So again, I'm, I, I read from the New Living Translation. I just find I read, it reads better for me. Works with my voice and vocabulary. <laughs> um, so Matthew 20, chapter 22, verse 1. It says, Jesus also told them other parables. And he said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. And when the banquet was, was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited. But they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he invited ignored them and went on their own way. One to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. And the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honour. 
Now go out to the streets and corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. You know, Jesus, love the parables of Jesus. They're just such vivid word pictures, aren't they? We've got this wedding feast. And it's not just any wedding, it's the wedding of the king's son. You know, the king of the land is inviting people. And when you look at it there, verse 3, you know, when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited. He speaks about that there was an initial invitation sent out. And we can sort of link this to you know, that initial promise, that initial invitation that God did to humanity through Abraham. Yeah? Relationship was broken you know, through, through um, Adam. And time went on. And there was judgment there with Noah and things like that. But then there comes this point where God goes to Abraham. Again, God pursuing humanity. And he invites him. He says, hey, come. Come. Go to the land I'll lead you to. And he gives him a promise. Gives him an initial invitation, you could say. That through your seed, you know, all people will be blessed. And so in the parable there, it's almost referring to that a little bit. So saying, hey, you know, the invitation's gone out, but now he's sending out the servants to say, hey, it's ready. You can almost say that's the, you know, the first sort of invitation. And you can sort of mirror that a little bit to Moses. Where God came down, again, God approached man, came down on the mountain, gave him the law, and gave him connection points to him. But sadly, we know the history of the Israelites where they were like these guests. Where the, they, they knew the invitation was there. It had been written in their history since Abraham. But time and time again, they said, oh, no, nah, it's not for me. And they neg- neglected God. And they, you know, what he's referring to there is that the, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, time and time again, you know, the prophets would come and say, no, come on. Come, to the, come join the kingdom of God. God's here. God wants to be in relationship with us. And what do they do to the prophets? They insulted them, killed them. And the judgment that's spoken of in there, you could sort of mirror that to, you know, the... The dispersion. The fact that God finally got to a point. He said, sorry guys, you've, you've, I've given you a dozen million chances. There's, there's judgment here. And they got dispersed. And yeah, they, they, in that sense, lost that connection to God. They lost that opportunity to be a part of this celebration. But then we come to this third invitation. Where the messengers sent out. And they're not just sent out to the king's people. They say, go out in the streets and the country and just invite everyone. An open invitation. Open invitation. I love how it says, where are we? So the servants brought in everyone, verse 10. Everyone that they could find, the good and the bad alike. 
and the banquet hall was filled with guests. You know, there wasn't a criteria to this invitation. There wasn't a criteria. And you sort of go, well, what happens to that next little bit? We'll get to that. But in that verse 10, you know, you sort of say, no, it didn't matter. The rich, the poor, the good, the bad, doesn't matter. Give them the invite, and if they show up, they're there. They're welcome. And again, for me, that just reflects the heart of God, doesn't it? And the fact is, you know, you could sort of refer to that point of, you know, well, you know, who is good? <laughs> the fact is, when Jesus was asked, you know, who is good? He said, well, only God, God alone is good. But the fact is, there's people in our society, isn't there? These go, oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And sometimes they feel like that they, they don't need the invitation. But somehow, you know, we've got to look for those opportunities to sort of say, no, well, hey, whether you feel like you're a good person or a bad person, this invitation's for you. What Jesus did is for all of us. And whether we think it or not at that point in time, we all need it. And so the banquet hall is filled. The feast is prepared. You know, the celebration is ready to begin. We come to this interesting little part of the story where the king walks in. He notices a man that's not dressed appropriately for the wedding. And I remember as a kid, you know, hearing this story and you know, growing up in the church, just going, why is that there? What does that really mean? And what's, you know, how does that fit into this idea of, you know, that, 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 that grace is for all and that salvation is by grace alone? So the, the invitation makes sense, doesn't it? The invitation makes sense when we look at grace that way. We go, yeah, yep, it is. For the good and the bad, we're all welcome. That's what grace is. But why, why is this man getting thrown out because he showed up in the wrong clothing? Does that mean there's something extra on salvation? Not quite. It's quite interesting when you sort of dig into the, the history of it a little bit there. Because there was a custom in those days, and we still see this in some cultures, where when there was a wedding feast prepared and the invitation was set, sent out, especially by, by royalty and dignitary and you know, the, 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 the rich and the, and, and the affluent of, of a society, what would actually go with that invitation would actually be a wedding garment. And this is where we see in some cultures where you know, they'll, they'll have a, a special celebration. They'll all wear the same sort of cloak you know they'll be all dressed in white or i guess even the reverse you know that's why there's almost this tradition of you know we all come in black for for a funeral like there's sort of this notion that it was a sign of mourning that we would all just be a part of and would dress appropriately for it but in these asian cultures it wasn't just that it was something that we had to have ourselves it was something given to us and so in this story what we're reading about is a man that you know, was invited to this wedding and he was given the, the resources. He was given the right garments to wear. But he didn't wear them. And I liked what one of the quotes as I was reading this and putting this together said it this way. It said, The custom in those days was that for the one hosting the wedding feast, and in this case the king, was to provide garments for the wedding guests. These wedding garments were simple, nondescript robes that all attendees wore. In this way, rank or station 
was covered so that everyone at the feast could be mingle as equals. And I just went, no, that's, that's actually a, a deeper picture of what salvation is. And the fact is that if we actually don't put on and take, actually take on the new image through new birth, you know, being born again. And scripture does. There's other scriptures that talk about, you know, taking on the garments of righteousness, isn't there? And so in that, we actually come with a choice. And it, it's a bit scary that it describes this person that, you know, in a way accepts the invitation and shows up. But they haven't actually put on what was given. Yeah? Was this because they felt that they were good enough? Was this because they felt that it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't for them? I'm an individual. We don't know the motive behind it. But he had no excuse. Because it was provided. And I think that's what the blood of Jesus is. The blood of Jesus was provided. It was given. And it's up to us to actually take that on and to be cleansed by that. Like that verse in Isaiah, to be washed white as snow. There's a good challenge there. There's a good challenge there to sort of go, no, yeah. Have I actually taken on and, and, and put on and do I wear what, what God's given me? Because it's not what we do. It's not our righteousness. Do you understand? It's God's righteousness. That's what we put on. And when we do that, when we put on that righteousness, we can walk in righteousness and actually walk a life of purity and, and holiness. Because it's the enabling of you know, the Spirit of God in our lives. You know? We can't make ourselves, we can't choose to live a righteous life. People can try, and people do. And that's where we get this idea of, well, oh, they're, they're a good person, they do good stuff. But what does scripture say about our works in the eyes of God? Like dirty rags. Yeah. And all that the king is expecting, he sort of says, well, whatever you do, in my celebration, in my banquet hall, it's never going to count, whether it's the greatest or the least. I just want to see you clothed in what I've given you. I love that idea that it just takes away all rank and takes away all station and that we're there as equals. How beautiful is that? And how humbling at the same time. Particularly for those, you know, I know for myself, it's something that I've, I try my best to, to definitely stay humble in is that, you know, I've been raised and born in the church and I feel like I've walked with God pretty much my whole life. But I never want to take that as a, as a privilege above others. I never want to treat that as a, as a well, I'm, I'm better than you. No, in the eyes of God, we're all equal. Because we all need that salvation, that righteousness that comes from God. So to sort of wrap this up, you know, I called it you know, the power of an invitation. You know, in, our, in, our, in our interaction with those around us, and I'm sure every one of us have someone that we could think of, that we go, you know, I really want to be able to see them at that celebration in the kingdom halls of God. I know we do. 
but it's not our job to get them there. I think as, as people of God, we have a responsibility to, to, to be those messengers that send that message out and say, hey, the invitation's there. For us to go out into the streets and into the country and sort of say, hey, come to the banquet. But it's not us that make people get there. It's not us that makes people take on that garment. But we can definitely share the invitation. And the fact is, you know, even myself, I, I get stuck on just, oh, I'm not sure what people are going to think. Or, you know, is, is, is this the right opportunity and all that sort of thing. But I tell you, without fail, when, when I follow that, that inkling, even no, no matter small, just to say, hey, do you want to come join in? You know, inviting someone to something. It's amazing how people respond to that. Because there's something special about an invitation. And there might be opportunities in those interactions with those loved ones and those, those friends and family. Where you just remind them, you sort of say, hey, God's chasing you. <laughs> God's pursuing you. And there's an invite there for you to accept anytime you're ready. So let's be people that, you know, invite. And not, I'm not just talking about church. You know? Yeah, there's, it, there's definitely moments. You know? The fact is, you know, we're, we're having our Narumba gathering this afternoon and there's a young mum that I've met through the school and she was at the club last night when we went to dinner with the 40 club and, and I saw her sitting there and I thought, oh, you know what, I want to invite her. I sort of had that leading and, and straight away I had those sort of thoughts, oh, you know, what's she going to think? Is it really her thing? And I know she's into some other things. And I just went, well, what the heck? Let's just invite. And she was ecstatic. She was like, actually, I love that. And it just reminded me afresh. So I was going, no, just... Just, just give it a crack. Get out there and invite someone. Invite them over for dinner. Invite them out for a coffee. Because there's something about an invite that's special. That people like to respond to. And the fact is that might just open your door to actually show them about the invitation to the King's Banquet. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you for this word. I thank you just for the opportunity it is, Lord God, and the, the privilege it is to, to be invited into your kingdom. And Lord God, I just, I can't help but, but just be so humbled that despite whatever our experiences are, despite our failings, Lord God, you just open your hand, open your arms, open the door to your kingdom for, for us. And Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that we just, that we don't make it about us. That's not about how great or, or how horrible we might look, Lord God. But we put on that garment, the garment of your righteousness, the garment of your holiness. And that as we walk into your presence, Lord God, you don't see, Lord God, our brokenness. You see that we've put on that grace that was provided through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, for all that you've done for us. And I pray, Lord God, that we see the opportunities, Lord God, to extend that invitation to others. In Jesus' name, amen.